And I didn't know he's a full-fledged cessationist and that he hated charismatics back then. I didn't know he'd written books about guys like me. But I'm driving down the road, and he and I rented a car together. We're riding together. And a guy calls me, a friend of mine, Pastor Shane Warren. And he's like, hey, Gibson, are you ministering with Locke right now? I'm like, yeah. He's like, he hates guys like you. That's what he, what he says on the phone. And I'm like, I'm riding by him. I'm like, well, we're getting along pretty good right now. You know, things are going. Uh, I didn't even know how bad I was freaking Locke out because we're like driving in the car forever and flying on planes together. But I pray in tongues a lot. And, you know, instead of cussing when somebody pulls over on me in an interstate, I think it's better. My flesh wants to cuss. I think it's better to talk in tongues. Pastor Brian Gibson, it's great to have you here on Charisma News. And we've been hearing some amazing things that God is doing in, in your church, but it's actually his church. I love the name of that church because you're trying to put keep the emphasis that it is his church. It's God's church. So welcome here to Charisma News. Hey, it's, it's an honor to be with you, John. Uh, what an honor. And it is his church. You know, we, we've hung our hats on uh, Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So that's like the guiding scripture of my life, that everything we do, uh, it's about Jesus. And we're just trying to stay out of the way and let him do what he wants to do, man. But thanks. Thanks for having me. What an honor. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's, it's an honor to have you here and to talk about the revival that is really happening uh, at your churches, uh, the different campuses that you have. And I know that we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but you just had Jonathan Kahn there and Greg Locke, uh, which are two of our uh, authors here at Charisma. And we follow their their ministries uh, very closely. And we're excited whenever we saw that you basically had these guys back to back. And it's not because they were already like scheduled for something. God has been moving in your church. And I want to hear about this revival that's been breaking out. And you've been saying that you've been actually feeling things like physically too. So tell us about what God is doing at his church. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been wild and, uh, been incredible. I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. I've done like two solid weeks of preaching right now, every night. Right. But it's been, it's been great. Uh, mm -hmm. we had a couple of conferences. We did have some conferences scheduled, right? So we, we got churches in Kentucky, Owensboro, Henderson. Then we have a church in Amarillo, Texas. Um, so we do a conference on the Texas side. Then we'll turn around the next week, do a conference on the Kentucky side. Mm -hmm. But what happened in Texas is I'm there one night with a friend of mine, uh, I think Daniel, Pastor Daniel Bracken, just built the largest church house in the state of Alaska. Uh, powerful man. Uh, Pastor Shane Warren is in there as well with me, me and my wife, and, and we're just hanging out uh, in worship. And man, you could mm -hmm. sense and tell the power of God's coming to the room. And as I'm standing there, I, I did feel something like, I'm real careful with my language like this, so I don't yeah. over-sensationalize stuff, but Sure. In worship, I physically felt something touch me on the head. And I, I, I opened up my eyes and there's nothing there. And I, I didn't say anything to anybody because I'm like, <laughs> what, is, what is that? Is that a flashback from acid in the 90s? <laughs> Was the spine crack? Well, my wife, who never took acid, by the way, <laughs> she's standing beside me. She's a good kid, preacher's daughter. I was an outlaw that Jesus saved. Uh, she's standing beside me and she turns around and she says, did you feel that? Now I'm like, uh, she's like, something just touched me. And Daniel Bracken, Pastor Daniel, without us saying anything to him, he said, man, I think there's angels in here. Something just, something's touched me. Pastor Shane Warren said the same thing, all independent of each other. He's like, something walked by me and just brushed me. Hmm. And Pastor Shane said it when he was in the, in the pulpit. But I'm telling you, 
like the power and the anointing and the presence of God just started to settle into the room. And miracles started happening, right? There's a lady with a, a blocked aorta, no blood flow into her legs. Uh, and, and none of us prayed for her. The ushers prayed for her that night. Hmm. And she went back and her, uh, her aorta was opened up. Uh, guys that like uh, 10-year rotator cuff issues, like couldn't get their arm over their head, claimed that their rotator cuff totally healed. Hmm. Uh, a kid, I would not suggest this, that needed reconstructive knee surgery, uh, athlete, right? But fairly young, still strong, uh, working out and stuff. Said God touched his knee, went in the next day and put 350 on the squat rack and did it. Like, like, I'm like, I do not suggest doing that, right? That's not, that's not a, but, but miracles, I mean, just started happening. Hmm. And uh, people got excited and, and crowds started coming, right? Uh, this is before any names or, you know, any big names. All of us are, the guys that are there were all successful pastors and strong ministry gifts, but not. Right. You're just having your church conference. This is, this is not like a big national thing yet. This is just, you're just having your regular conference. We're just having, we're just having church and, and people start showing up and people are excited. Um, I'll tell you what happened to me. I preached one night. We, Wednesday night, it was supposed to be over. It was Sunday through Wednesday. But the the power of God was so rich and real. We said, hey, we got to keep we, Jesus. I mean, we didn't, I don't know. You know, we didn't follow any keys to revival. We didn't pray enough, fast enough or anything. God just showed up to help his, his people. Hmm. And we extended it. Um, we extended the revival. And I was, I was preaching one night. And I was preaching, I want to get people in love with Jesus again. Right? I mean, that's the only answer we have, right? Right. Uh, America's messed up. We need a revival. There is no political remedy for our nation. And I'm a fairly political guy, but th- nobody can fix this. The only thing that can, can help this nation is an awakening. Mm. So I don't think like our republic can be saved or anything like that uh, at this point, although I'm, I'm still praying and hopeful. But I do think a revival can change our nation. And yeah. so I was preaching out of where John uh, you know, says there's one coming after me. I'm not even worthy to tie shoes. Mm-hmm. I'll baptize you with water, but there's one coming that will baptize you with fire. Jesus walks up the next day, right? It's the next day. John's prophesying. It says the next day Jesus walks up. John says, behold, the lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. And so I'm preaching, behold the lamb, mm-hmm. right? Look at all. Look, look, look to the lamb with mm-hmm. awe and expectation and love and wonder. We need to see the lamb. And I get down and I'm like, I'm praying for a new passion for Jesus in our church. And I was laying hands on people in the altar. And I had a mini, I don't know. I didn't see him with my eyes. Let's call it a vision, whatever you want to call it. You know, these things are, uh, people see different, hear different. We all interact with the spirit of God, just a little bit different because we're people and we're fearfully and wonderfully made, right? Mm-hmm. I'm walking through the altar. I look to my right and in my spirit, I see Jesus walking by me. Wow. Right. Uh, just for a second. It's not with my eyes, with my, my spirit, with my heart's the way I say I see. And then he, he stepped over from beside of me and he stepped on top of me. Right. And I had buddies watching the live feed and they started texting my wife like something just happened to Brian. I got so undone when it happened. Like I couldn't stop weeping. And I, I had a handkerchief because I'm a big boy. My spiritual gift is sweating. And uh <laughs> I took this handkerchief and I just put it over my face because I didn't really want people to see how mm. done it was. And as I was walking through the altar then, man, everybody started melting when I got close to them. Just power of God permeates the room. Um, 
so I, I think that kicked it off. There, there were some, there were some uh, almost like if we're talking about Rabbi Khan, we'll call them harbingers that the mm. revival was coming. Right, a um, couple of months before, like there's been some real hunger that's hit us and some real uh, also brokenness. Just to be honest, you know, we fought yeah. hell nationally for several years. It's why I'm 46. I look like I'm going on 70. Uh, you know, through the lockdowns and became a voice against government oppression of the church. Um, But I walked in the church a couple of months ago and, and the secretaries came and got me and said, pastor, there's somebody out front. We don't know if he's dangerous or not. Kind of looks crazy. You know, and he did, he he had all the signs. Uh, He was strung out and he was laid out on the, on the front of the church house, like by the door, just face down. And I went out there, you know, I had a, I had a, a friend uh, in town, Pastor Joel DeAngie, helps me pastor now, come on staff. And I'm like, Joel, watch, I don't know what this guy's going to do, because I've had a lot of death threats throughout the years. And, and this guy's down there all strung out. And I'm like, hey, I walk out, hey, man, can I help you? And he looked up at me and he said, uh, he's weeping. He said, my mama brought me to this building when I was a little boy. Hmm. And I was across town. He was about 15 miles away. I was across town. And I felt like if I could get to this building, I could find God. This is what the kid says. Wow. And he's hanging on the threshold of the church, right? Uh, So we prayed for him, ministered to him best we could. You know what I mean? Believe God for him uh, and and took him where he needed to go. Uh, And I hadn't seen him since. I'm believing God that, you know, God started something in him. But I think it was kind of like God's like, hey, I'm going to bring the broken and the lost and the hurting. It was like a prophetic, prophetic mm. sign to me, if you will. Yeah. But um, it, it started in Amarillo, then it went to went to Owensboro. And uh, we did we did seven days. Owensboro's our, our Kentucky location. Almost I left Owen I left Amarillo in the middle of a Sunday morning service because you know, American Airlines owns you out in West Texas. The only way you're getting out unless you want to take a horse across the desert out here. But um we're 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 flying out. And, and man, people, the power of God's so strong in the room. I, I have to leave right then. And we get to Owensboro, mm. and the same stuff starts happening there. Mm. Um, same stuff start, starts happening. So it's, it's rolling. Wow. God's doing something. Wow. So what were some of the things that were being preached that, uh, that were uh, – what were th- some themes that might, that might have been able to uh, spark this revival? Man, the strongest theme I know uh, – I'll say this, Pastor Daniel Bracken started started preaching about just believing God for bigger. And he does have a real, he's like a, he's a wrecking ball, just to be honest, and a faith man. Mm. And he's just fought hell to build, uh, it's like a 75,000 square foot building in Wasilla, Alaska. Okay. And, uh, his church is King's Chapel, but it, it was like, he fought hell at a higher level. In Alaska, you only have so many months to build. Mm. Right. And if you can't get it built, then you got to wait till everything falls out. I mean, it's a real deal. And so it's been seven years him fighting hell. And I think he's got an uncommon faith. And I think he was releasing that to the people to believe. But um, that that was massive. Uh, I'll say this, like like Jesus. uh, People were preaching spirit baptism. Right. People were preaching um, somewhat about the the controversy between uh, uh, the Jews in Palestine right now. Okay. Tied it back into uh, Haman mm-hmm. wanting to kill the Jews in the book of Esther. 
um, and how there's a demonic warfare around. But I'll say this, we, we had some great speakers in Owensboro. We had Rabbi Khan and we had Greg Locke. Greg Locke's flying in tonight to preach in Amarillo as well. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and Khan preached the return of the gods, which is where we are as a culture right now. Um, you know, where it's about, you know, the old God Testament false gods are really just demon powers, right? Molech and the Ashtoreth and Baal. And uh, you see what they're doing in the culture right now with, with the, uh, the lies coming to our children about all the LGBTQ stuff. Um, also the blood, I mean, I call it blood sacrifice, the abortion all over, all over the world. It's what it is, right? Khan does a great job teaching that. So I, I think that was touching hearts. And um, I'll say this one night, uh, I didn't have a big guest speaker and we got things going forward. And I'm trying to pray, who do I get over here to help me run this revival? And Jesus spoke to me and he said, uh, can I be your, can I be your special guest tonight? Mm. And I'm like, yeah, Lord, I would, I would love to host you more than anybody else. And so the big names showed up and they're awesome. I love those guys, men of God, right? Uh, but when people just came for nobody but Jesus, it's pretty special, you know, it's pretty yeah. special. I don't say that to God. The rabbi is a dear friend and great teacher. I mean, I learned so much like from him after the service, blowing my mind. It's just mm-hmm. like he knows more. He, he's forgot more than I've ever learned. And then Locke's got an authority over the devil right now uh, that's hit another level. Mm-hmm. And and we go we go back. I mean, he and I go back for for some time now. And um, I, I want to sh- I want you to share a little bit of those of that story of how you and Pastor Greg Locke uh, have been doing some ministry together over the years. But we'll we'll we'll, we'll save that for a little bit later. But tell, c- continue to tell me about what God's doing now. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Um, he just said, can I, can I, can I be your special guest? And so I, I'm trying to keep it Jesus focused and Jesus centered the revival. Right. And I'm trying to make sure we don't get in the way of it. Um, so, so like even other friends I've got that move so powerfully, like in the word of knowledge and stuff like that, I got friends that can come in and I travel with them pretty extensively. Uh, doesn't matter where we go. Like some of these guys know, you know, they know where everybody's name and what they're dealing with and the, their job. And, you know, I'm talking crazy, crazy gifts of the spirit. I love to see that operate, but people can get like so wowed by that, that they forget what we came for. We didn't come for the gift. We came for the one that gives the gift. Right. And I want, I want us to stay focused on that. But in the middle of it, like in Owensboro, I'll say this Owensboro, Kentucky, I've never seen the level of demon possession or uh, oppression or whatever you want to call it. I don't care what you call it. Just let's say people that the devil is tormenting. Like they're in the service. And this is before Lot gets there, who's a big demon guy. Just like we're walking in the church building and people that are oppressed of the devil are running to us around the building. Me and and one of my friends, Pastor Shane Warren, pray for me. Pray. I got these issues. And you can tell when it's demonic. It's different, right? Just, just total uh, spirit of fear and freaked out. And then we get in the service and like, I'll give you an example. One night I, I call people up, people have been getting healed, like 20 people getting testifying. They, they just received healing. Our team's praying for them and God's moving. And then I call people up for salvation before Khan ever speaks. And I got words of knowledge on several of these people that are up there. And I get to one and full fledged manifests the devil, starts screaming out, falls on the ground, almost right in front of, uh, 
Khan's on the sitting on the front row. And we minister to him, and there's kids getting saved in this altar call, too. And they're looking, you know, not everybody's seen a devil just cried out and screaming. And uh, I'm like, don't pay attention to that, honey. That's that's just a devil. We're going to focus on on Jesus. Pastor comes out. I mean, I'm trying to pastor these teenagers. They get freaked out. But I'm I, I'm like, that, that was happening four or five times a night. I don't know. Like, I pastored in Owensboro, uh, pioneered a church there in 0405. And I don't know what's... It's always been a witchy kind of city, to be honest, for Kentucky. It's an old river town. And a lot of times I think those type of, um, I don't know, you know, occultic stuff or witch stuff, palm readers, all that kind of stuff that comes and demonizes a city went down the riverways early on. And you can find it in old river towns. Um, used to, I rented an office from people that owned the uh, first New Age store in that town. Uh but it's, it's gone to another level now. And I, don't, I, I think it's that coupled with the drugs and the fentanyl coming up from our southern border. I think there's a lot of occult practices in the cartel thing, right? You know, they got their, uh, they got their patron saint of drug running they pray to. Then they employ a lot of witches to pray over the dope and stuff. And, I mean, you don't go to any major city in America right now without seeing fentanyl junkies and meth heads on every corner. But in a little town of 50,000... It really sticks out, right? Because it's a small place. And the town is getting like that. So when we start preaching the gospel over there, man, the demons just crowd of people and they've gotten demonized. And Jesus is setting them free. But it's even just going down to the, like, walking in town by myself, demon-possessed people are finding me everywhere during the day. So, I mean, like, my wife is like, this is getting out of control, bro. Like, I'm walking and demon says people are screaming at me from the top of parking garages and stuff and coming up and, and, and you know, trying to talk to me. And we're ministering Jesus to them. Because when you're talking to people like that, there's two entities you're talking to. Mm-hmm. There's the human in there, right, that, that is drawn to you uh, and drawn to the Jesus in you really because they need deliverance. And then there's the demon that has possessed them and vexed them. And a lot of Christians aren't used to that, but it's all over the New Testament. They'll try on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They'd learn something about the Jesus that breaks chains. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that, uh, you know, you just mentioned that Pastor Greg Locke, God's using him mightily in deliverance right now. Um, But uh, when you guys first started working together and ministering together, he, brother, you were a big part of him. Uh, you know, coming to the knowledge of the, of the Holy Spirit and leaving his cessationist ways behind. Could you tell me, could you tell us a little bit about uh, early Greg Locke and what you see now and the transformation that's been happening? Yeah, I used to see Locke, you know, he blew up on Facebook years ago. And I'm, I'm a bit outspoken too. And people would send me videos of him. And at the time I'm like, eh, whatever, you know. Uh, but, but Locke and I got... Uh, we started pushing back against the lockdowns and he got loud and I was loud. And uh, yeah, I think back then I was on some of charisma uh, podcasts back then with uh, strength. Right. So, so I did some over that and locks around. I'm around, around voices back then, like pastor Rodney Howard Brown was a voice at the time. There were different guys. Uh, uh, what's it, What's his name out in California? Jack Hibbs became a voice, Rob McCoy came a voice in that. Uh, the guy down in Louisiana, they kept arresting. I forget his name, but he, he became a voice during the time. <laughs> that brother held the line. I, I got to say about him, he held the line. I don't know him, but uh, I'll tip my hat to him. But but we were doing a uh, rally in, in Kentucky 
uh, in Frankfurt at the Capitol. And I called Locke and said, Locke, why don't you come over? You know, I know you're, you're, you're with us aligned on this politically. And like, there's Mike Pence's fly again. Uh, uh, align with us politically. Because uh, we, don't, we don't think the government should, we don't think politicians tell profits what to do. Mm-hmm. I think profits tell politicians what to do. And uh, I, don't, I don't care what, whatever they, they're selling, I'm not smoking. I got a First Amendment right to keep the church open. I don't care what's happening. And so Locke goes on the road with me, and we preach in like 30 states together. And, and, and I didn't know he's a full-fledged cessationist and that he hated charismatics back then. I didn't know he'd written books about guys like me. But I, I'm driving down the road, and he and I rented a car together. We're riding together. And a guy calls me, a friend of mine, Pastor Shane Warren. And he's like, hey, hey Gibson, are you ministering with Locke right now? I'm like, yeah, he's like, he hates guys like you. So it's what he, what he says on the phone. And I'm like, I'm riding by him. I'm like, well, we're getting along pretty good right now. You know, things are going. Uh, I didn't even know how bad I was freaking Locke out because we're like driving in the car forever and flying on planes together. But I pray in tongues a lot. And, you know, instead of cussing when somebody pulls over on me in an interstate, I think it's better. My flesh wants to cuss. I think it's better to talk in tongues. And my wife's a lot happier with me when I talk in tongues instead of cussing. So it's a habit. So I just pray in tongues. And I remember Locke looking over at me like, what in the world's, what in the world's happening? But he, he would watch us, and I would give words of knowledge and prophesy um, as we were traveling. And he kind of figured out. He's like, man, this guy's not crazy, at least not totally crazy, right? Uh, and, and God was already speaking to him. He's looking in the Bible. And so Locke saw that what we were doing, that it's, it's real, and the Spirit of God was working on him. Um, I think there was kind of culmination of that. And Locke tells this story. I think it's in one of his books. He comes over to my church house in Owensboro, the church we pastor. Uh, I always call it the church house because it's not the church, right? It's where the church meets. So I like how you make that distinction. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I try to help people theologically like that. It's the church house. And uh, I had a friend of mine from Colombia. Uh, he's a prophet, Gustavo Paez. And Piaz is like the highest level male reader I've ever seen in my life, right? It's like, holy moly, this is, this is insane. So he tells Locke almost everything he's ever done in his life, prophesies over all of his children, Locke's childhood, um, all this stuff, and Locke's just undone. And I think that changed everything in their life and ministry. So he wrote a book about it. I think y'all, I think y'all carry the book. It, it's uh, maybe accessing your anointing or it's something about the anointing. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But, but uh, you know, I, all of our books got these anointing titles. So it's some book with anointing in the title. Um, so, so in the book, he tells the story of how God touched him that way. And then he, he comes to our, our church and he's preaching about that. And demons start screaming out in the room. All right. So there's like five or six of them that night, which was uncommon at the time. It seems more common right now. I think our culture with all, all the crazy stuff that's been loosed in our culture with the sexual, uh, you know, just green light. You can be a trisexual, try whatever you want, you know, and us applauding and not us, but people applauding it in our school systems. It's getting more demonized. But that night people were scre- uh, screaming out and stuff and a lot didn't know what to do with them at the time. And there's a woman like manifesting on the front row, you know, she's dancing, she's doing all kinds of weird, devils come to distract. So she's, it's kind of central what she's doing and she's manifesting. And I walk down right in front of Locke and the woman and I'm like, come out of her in Jesus name. And she goes down and starts writhing and the devil starts coming out of her. And afterwards I'm like, hey Locke, did you see all those demons screaming in the service when you started preaching? 
I'm like, I'm pretty sure God's doing something here and he wants to use you to set the demon possessed free. And it was a prophetic moment in, in Locke's life. I think he talks about it in one of the recent books. Um, and then there were other things coupled with that. And then he dove in, he went all the way in, right? He started studying all the, uh, everybody and all these other guys, this is what they do. Um, I'm a, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm a pastor. I'm not just a specialist in deliverance or specialist in the prophetic or, you know what I mean? I'm a general practitioner. I'm a pastor, church planner. Uh, but he got in deep and God's used him. I mean, the books come out, the movie, millions have watched and, and the guys he had on there, um, you know, when you first get into a movement like that and you don't know everybody, some of the voices you get connected with are good voices. Some are bad voices. Um, he invited me to preach at that first deliverance conference he had, and I didn't want to go, uh, cause I didn't know all the guys and I'm real careful who I link arms with. Right. Maybe I'm a little looser than I used to be now. Cause, um, but anyway, Locke's learned some lessons in that area. Mm-hmm. God teaches us all lessons. Yeah. And a lot of people will judge you on something you did a couple of years ago when you're a different man now. And Locke's a different man, and God's changing him every day. Uh, I love him. I'm committed to him as a man and a man of God. And I, I'm, I'm thankful that we got to be a little part of the story, that what God's doing in him. Amen. Amen. That's exciting. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And I, I want to, we're kind of coming down, uh, coming towards the end of this uh, interview right now, which uh, I think this is going to be the first of many interviews because I just enjoy talking with you and hearing what God's doing. But I want to hear, you've been able to sustain this revival in these two different areas, or actually a couple different areas um, uh, for a little while now. What is it? I mean, we talked about what sparked it, but what are you believing is going to sustain this revival? Well, number one, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. All right. Just put that out there. Right. I, I never try. I, I just don't know what I'm doing. Um, but God's doing something. I mean, I'm not an idiot, not a total idiot, but I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing right now. Uh, I think I, I, I've been talking to guys that have had these kind of revivals that keep going because mm. uh, we've been successful planning churches and we've always moved into gifts, but never an extended revival. First one, you know, I'm 20 years into this. Um, so I, I know this, like passion for Jesus is, is paramount. So I'm trying to keep him centered. Mm-hmm. And I keep reminding the crowd, hey, tonight we have a special guest, right? Tonight we, I want to, tonight we have a special guest and his name is, his name is Jesus. There's no other guest. There's no, there's nobody else I want to host. I know the, like, I'm going to eat with the pa- one of the pastors of the largest church in the world, like on what is tonight third on the 31st. You know, I sat with all those guys, knew all those guys, knew Dr. Cho before he went to heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, the old generals, I know those guys. I, I love them, loved them all, appreciate them. But there's nobody like Jesus. Mm-hmm. So CEOs, I know them. Presidents, families, I know them. I want to know Jesus. So I keep that, I'm trying to keep that first and foremost, number one. Try not to touch it, get in the way, not mess it up. Uh, secondly, I don't think, I think we got to pray more, right? I mean, this is just... Christianity 101. Um, attacks come, right? I got some real lessons during the lockdowns. Yeah. So I got involved politically about keeping the church open. And it mm-hmm. wasn't just a local church fight. It was like a national governance fight. And people say new level, new devil. Mm-hmm. I learned that at, at, at a higher, less, higher level than I've ever experienced. Yeah. 
right? So I want to get people praying for us. Like even last night, like I, I, I was, I'm moving slow because middle of the night, I get a call and the devil attacked my brother's health last night. My brother went down in front of his, his wife, um, got up straight up out of bed, threw up, said, call the ambulance. Something's bad wrong with me. Mm-hmm. He's not that kind of guy. So we were all up praying in the spirit. He's in Kentucky. I'm in Texas and we're up binding and loosen last night at like two in the morning. And, uh, the devil, you know, you just get uncommon attacks when stuff like this is happening. Don't fear it, right? We don't have a spirit of fear. We have authority over the devil. Amen. But raising up that shield of faith with prayer. We need people praying for us, praying for our team, praying for safety, praying for protection. Uh, I think prayer's big there. I think gospel preaching, simple gospel, the ultimate form of spiritual warfare is the verbal proclamation of the gospel, the kerygma, right? Amen. There's coming Messiah, death, burial, and resurrection, repent, believe. Come on, he's coming back. I think preaching that feeds any revival. And uh, I think just learning to steward it well. I think what we're going to is we'll probably do three days a week Mm. in both locations, right? Like do a week over here, three days, then take it over here. And right now it feels like wherever we go, revival's going with us, which is crazy. Like one of my campus pastors, uh, Pastor Jordan Chrysler, in Owensboro, went to a funeral this week in the middle of this revival. A guy, I don't know, I forgot what killed him, young guy. Small group, like, I don't know, 75 people in the room. 20 <laughs> people got saved in the funeral, right? Wow. My wife went to the salon, right? Because uh, her anointing is like when she gets her hair done and her nails done and all that stuff. So she's in the salon, and my wife's a better preacher than I am. She's a, she's a fireball. But uh, they are asking, we do a lot of trips to Israel. And uh, they're asking, hey, what's happening in Israel? Is this the end? The girls, mm-hmm. Jesus coming back. And she, Jesus coming back. And three or four of the hairdressers, she has an altar call in the salon. They get, they get born again in the salon, right? Wow. This Sunday in our Henderson campus, we baptized over 60 people this Sunday from the revival in our mm-hmm. campus. So Henderson, uh, we just pioneered that church, I don't know, three years ago. And it's hitting about 300 people on a Sunday morning right now. And it'd be bigger, but the church is too small. We need a miracle. So they're (laughs) baptizing 10 people over there. And 11 more people that are just in the room that get saved, decide they need to get water baptized, run up and get baptized in their good clothes. Wow. Walk home wet. Pastor John Tatum was doing that in Henderson. We just want to... we need an awakening. We need no revival. We need we revival. And I believe this. I believe revival isn't coming. I believe it's here. Mm-hmm. If we'll operate in it and we'll walk humbly before the Lord. Yeah. And uh, I think God, you know, in a lot of ways, he allowed us to be broken over the last few years so he could pour out a blessing. And mm-hmm. we just want to do it well. Amen. You know, Pastor Brian, as you're talking about this and you're sharing those stories, I'm reminded of the passage in Acts where uh, the I forget what town it was, but they said the people that have turned the world upside down have come here as well. And so the revival was going with them. And what you're seeing, and as you said it so eloquently earlier, is that no matter where we're going, the revival is going to break out. And there's there's faith in that declaration and there, there's faith in that because we know that revival is not, not isolated to a physical location. Uh, revival can go with you because it's the Holy Spirit moving. It's drawing people to Jesus. We know that nobody comes to Jesus unless the Holy Spirit draws them. And Jesus is our special guest. And Pastor Brian, we talked about prayer. And I want to ask you to pray for those that are watching 
that they would really treat Jesus as a special guest. And however it is that you you want to pray, I just want to kind of release you for that. And I just believe that there can be revival breaking out from people watching this interview that this video right now and as they share that with their friends and family that they that they can be a part of this revival would you just pray for them right now amen i love that john i love what you said about these men that have turned the world upside down from the book of acts i, I believe that i want i want to pray along those lines and i can order, i can feel the power the physical power of god on me right now uh for revival and that's jesus so lord we we come boldly to your throne right now in the name of jesus christ of nazareth we thank you that he's the healer. We thank you that he's the chain breaker. We thank you that he, he's the one that sends revival. He is the one that baptizes in Holy Spirit fire. Right now, Father, we pray that we would be like the book of Acts men and women, that everywhere we go, that, that, that your name would be lifted up and that you would be the special guest. So, Father, I pray now you would come and bless John and his household. You would bless the organization that he rep represents, Charisma. I pray right now as well that you would continue your work in the churches we lead and that it would roll over to other churches. I declare my cup runneth over from Psalm 23 and let it go all over the state of Texas. Let it go all over Kentucky, Tennessee, all over the Southeast, into California, into Seattle, Washington. Father, I declare revival fire is coming and flowing and moving. Right now, I thank you that in this revival, you're tapping on the shoulders and the heads of young men and women. Father, I pray you raise up prophets and pastors and teachers and apostles and that you raise up kings that are business leaders and they're in the marketplace making a difference. Raise up priests, Father, those that take care of the house of God. Lord, I thank you that revival's coming and the dead things are living again. Mm -hmm. I say the fire of God and the breath of God are blowing over, over dead things, Father. Dead bones and dry bones are, are raising up even now. I know that there's a rise of the beast system all over the world, but I think that there's a rise of the bride that's even stronger right now. I think that the bride is more powerful than the beast. Yes, God. I declare the bride is more powerful than the beast. I said the bride is more powerful than the yes. beast. So empower your bride. Give them passion for Jesus. Touch them and change them. Lord, signs, wonders, miracles salvations, let them flow. Let that anointing hit every leader, every church person, every, every just Jesus-honoring person watching. We say there's a new authority. Say revival's not coming. Revival is here. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Pastor Brian Gibson of His Church, uh, thank you so much for being here on Charisma News to talk about what God is doing this is powerful, and I love hearing what God's doing, and I can't wait to hear more from you about how God is moving in this. Thank you. Hey, it's an honor, John. Stay out of trouble, huh?